Amen. Thank you, choir, for blessing us this morning. Well, officially, good morning. My name is Julie, and I am one of the pastors here at Faith Community. And if you are new or visiting with us, whether that's in person or online, we are so glad that you are here with us this morning. So this morning, uh, we are continuing in our sermon series called Grounded, and I'm going to be speaking about uh, our spiritual condition and focusing our time from the book of Hebrews. So Paul uh, writes this letter to the Hebrews, and it's a letter of exhortation or encouragement, of exaltation, am I trusting uh, the word of God or trusting the things of this world? And interesting that it was uh, true then and it is still true for us today. And that's also a letter of, of expectation, the promise of things to come and the promise of our eternal inheritance. And then it's an exaltation, exalting the, uh, the person and the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, in the book of Hebrews, we're going we're gonna to focus on just uh, five short chapters that are found in the second verse, and uh, it's a warning to pay attention. So I want to invite you uh, to go ahead and read along with me. Your, your Bibles are uh, found in the uh, pew in front of you, uh, or you can access your phone however you'd like to follow along. Uh, I'm in Hebrews uh, verses 1 through 5, and I am in the second chapter, and I'm reading from the NIV version today. Here are these words. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and also the hearing of his word. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I vacation, one of the favorite places that I like to go is the ocean. I love the ocean. I love the smell of it. I love the taste of it, the sand, the waves, the way that the sun rises and the way that it sets. And it's a place of, of uh, peace and joy for me and of serenity and oneness uh, that I feel so close to our creator. And I don't know about you, uh, but when we go to the beach, we, we take all of our beach chairs, uh, we've got our umbrella, we've got our cooler, we've got our pool noodles, uh, our toys and our games, and we set up camp, so to speak. And some of you may be familiar, you do the same thing, you may make your way down. And uh, throughout the day, uh, we make our way into the water at different times. And it's so much fun uh, to play in the waves and to, to, to ride the waves in and maybe even jump the waves. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I've noticed uh, during, during certain times that when I go out into the water, based on where we had put our things, and by the time I go to come in, I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, our stuff is all the way down here, right? And I've drifted all the way. I don't think anybody else has experienced that or not, but I've, I've drifted all the way down, and um, I've got to find a way to get back. And we have to figure out how, what that's going to look like, whether we're going to come up out of the water straight and walk our way down or if we're going to try to fight against those waves. And we've got to figure out how to get back to where we started. The Apostle Paul reminds us we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we don't drift away. You see, we can physically drift in our spiritual lives, 
and we've got to pay careful attention. You see, it's easy to drift with the current, but it's difficult to return against the stream. So if we were honest, how might we be drifting from the Lord? I want you to be encouraged that God's streams of mercy are still flowing. Paul tells us, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. How can we neglect it? Our early church fathers gathered, gathered for something called the Council of Nicaea to establish church doctrine and for what uh, we believe as Christians. And it's been our measuring stick, if you will, for over 1,600 years. That is a long time. And it's a measuring stick for what we believe as Christians, everything we believe about God, everything we believe about Jesus, and everything we believe about the Holy Spirit is found in this creed. I want to share it with you this morning. Hear these words. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the one, the one and only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, and he became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets, and we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. God is our Father. Jesus is our Redeemer. And the Holy Spirit is our sustainer. God wants to remind us this morning that we have a hope. And that hope is Jesus. I want to share another passage with you from Hebrews 10, starting at verse 19. A call to persevere in faith. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his body. And we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that, brings, that it brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the midst of life, sometimes there are sirens 
that come, and the lights are flashing. And Paul tells us not to neglect our salvation. So a question for us this morning is, where is a siren going off for you? How are you being called to persevere? And are you paying attention? I had mentioned uh, earlier that we are continuing in our Grounded Sermon series. And another question is, what are you grounded in these days? And if you're not sure, it's going to be easy to drift away. If we're honest, Christianity and the church is challenging these days. Some have fallen away from the church for no reason other than that they have just drifted away physically. And clearly, you are here today because you have come here physically, whether that would be on live stream or in person. But there are some of us that are here physically, but we have drifted away spiritually. In February of 2020, I sensed the Lord uh, speaking to me while I was asleep, uh, while I was trying to wake up, trying to start the day, and it was almost like a twilight. And I've shared this before, and I feel that it's worthy to share again. And I heard the word Ezra, and I thought that that was strange, and, but I, I really sensed that, and I'm like, okay, I need to read Ezra because there's something that the Lord is trying to, to, to impart to me. And, and so I read the book of Ezra, and I'm like, Lord, speak to me through this word that, that you've put in, in my mind. And it's about the Israelites coming out of captivity and back to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. And I sensed that God was, was saying that there was going to be a rebuilding of his church. And I didn't quite know what that meant. Uh, and of course, this was right before the world shut down. And I didn't know what it meant or what that looked like. So we fast forward almost two years later, and we see that the Lord's church looks much different and we're trying to figure it out, and we're trying to figure out what the post-COVID church looks like, um, but also what we look like coming out of COVID. You see, God didn't create COVID, yet we are emerging different as individuals, and so is the church. I uh, have spent a lot of time reflecting over these past couple of years of what's happening in the United Methodist Church. You see, our denomination embraces the creeds of our early fathers, the one that I just shared, the, the Nicene Creed. Yet the United Methodist Church finds itself divided on issues of same-sex marriage and the LGBT community and, and uh, also LGBTQ uh, clergy. And we find that suddenly our solid ground has begun to shake and we're trying to get our footing and figure out for ourselves what we believe. This is an important message that I pray that you are open to this morning that I believe that the Lord is working through me for you to hear. And I had very interesting conversation after the first service and I'm interested to have conversation with you after this service uh, for anyone that has um, questions. You see, for me personally, I believe that God created us, male and female, and that we were designed to reproduce and to populate the earth, and that biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. But I also believe that Jesus is love. He tells us in Matthew, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And Jesus said the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If I could just be honest with you this morning, I don't understand what it feels like to be attracted to someone of the same gender or feel like I was born in the wrong gender. But I do know that you and I are surrounded by such folks who worship with us, who live in our neighborhoods, who are in our workplaces, who are in our families, individuals that we dearly love. So how does God want us to treat such individuals when we don't understand and we really can't relate? Over the years, I've had families that have come to me and we've quietly met to ask me how to handle a situation when they've been invited to a loved one's wedding, maybe of um, two people of the same gender. And they're conflicted because they love these people, but they don't agree with them theologically of the union that is taking place. You see, I, I have these situations in my family, just like you all do. We're, we're in this together. And my advice to, to individuals when they ask me, and it's the, the advice that I take myself, is that we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to sever the relationship and walk away from that relationship and that person? Hello. Or do we choose to accept it? For me, I'm not willing to lose someone I love because I don't agree with their choice. Now hear me, this doesn't mean that we conform to culture. But I believe that, that, that we need to wrestle with the question of how can we live a life where we can hold on to our theology, and you're allowed to do that, by the way, hear that this morning, and love and accept another person even when you don't agree with them. And just so you know, this goes for politics too, because we're red and blue all over. I uh, was talking to someone after the first service and just about this statement, how do we love and accept another person we don't agree with them? And uh, they had asked me, you know, what, what do you do when the rubber meets the road and you're asked to officiate a service, right? And, and I've, I've had this go over in my mind many times. And again, I, I have a couple of different individuals in my family. And if they said to me, Julie, would you officiate our wedding? And I would decline based on my theology that I believe marriage is between a man and a woman, that I would not be able to officiate that wedding. And if they said to me, these members of my family, members, would you be willing to come and support us? We love you and we want you to be there. Absolutely, I'll be there. Out of love and support. And guess what? You're invited to my, my kitchen table, my dining room table, right? So yeah, the, the rubber meets the road, but most of the times it's going to be for the people to have the ability or have been given the privilege of officiating weddings. You see, this is hard, but sometimes we're called to do hard things. I was out to dinner uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was at a local restaurant in the community that I live in, and there was a, a nice young man who was our server. And my guess, he was probably in his early 30s, and he was working his tail off. I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when you go out to dinner, but you know, everybody is understaffed right now, and he was just working so hard uh, to serve us. And so he had brought our drinks, and we were having a conversation with him, and I couldn't help but notice he had the prettiest shade of hot pink nail polish. 
And then on his ring fingers, he had uh, silver, right? And I just thought to myself, okay, how do I want to approach this? I don't want to ignore it, right? And so we just struck up a conversation, and I said, I just have to tell you, I love your pink nail polish. It's so pretty. I know. And it's like, it's just a great conversation. And so he proceeds to tell me, thank you. He uses SNS. I said, oh my gosh, that's what, I, you guys don't know what SNS is. Most of you don't. But I said, you know, SNS is a type of polish. And, and so anyway, we just had just the, the cutest conversation and just, you know, it, it was a conversation that I wouldn't think I would be having uh, with, a, with a young man. And, and as I walked out of that restaurant and I thought about that conversation, I believe that our deepest human need is to be loved and accepted. I hope you hear that this morning, and, 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 and I believe we all feel this way. And how can we get better at loving and accepting in our interactions? Uh, a few months ago, we had a, a church service here. Uh, it was a special service, and there was a family that had come back for this special service, and they had left a couple of years ago, and uh, speaking with, um, with the, the mom, and, and uh, she has a daughter who uh, identifies as uh, in this LGBTQ community, and they were looking for a church that was openly accepting. And, and I thought about that conversation, and I thought, oh my gosh, I hope people feel welcome and accepted when they walk in our doors, that they're loved just like anybody else. But nonetheless, they wanted a church that was very open and receiving in a community where there were other individuals uh, that were similar. And so I told her I had a couple of ideas, so we were texting back and forth later that day and suggested a couple places, and um, so long story short, she was able to find uh, one of the churches that I suggested, and it was just the perfect match, and she said they are so happy, and they're worshiping as a family, and it was a good fit. You see, the kingdom of God right? It's vast, and, and we've got a lot of different beliefs, and I believe that if we can help someone and not judge them and say, oh, you know what, I, I don't know anything. No, but the truth is, I'm in the minority. A lot of my church, uh, cler clergy colleagues are more of the liberal, progressive mindset, and I'm more traditional, so I think, gosh, how can we find a way that we can help each other? Because there may be somebody in that church that says, you know what, I, I, you know, this is maybe not the right fit, but how can we work together that everyone can find a place where they can worship the Lord? So how do we respond to situations that might be uncomfortable to us, that may not be in alignment with our beliefs? And Jesus gives us this insight, love the Lord your God <clears throat> with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. The first and the greatest commandment is this. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So what do we do? We love God and we love each other, even when we don't agree, right? Even when we don't agree. Some of us find ourselves in a season of decisions, of roadblocks, of distractions, of challenges, uh, maybe heartaches, maybe even spiritual warfare. And you can name the season that you're in. It all looks different to us. So how was your spiritual condition? Are you drifting in life or in your faith? I want to remind you that Jesus is our lighthouse. Maybe thinking of walking away, as some people are doing. And I want to remind us this morning that Jesus died on the cross to take upon our sin and offers us eternal life. And upon his ascension gave us the Holy Spirit who is in us. As Paul said, how can we neglect such a salvation? Maybe, Lee, maybe you're struggling with strongholds. 
Psalm 23, 4 reminds us, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You're not alone in whatever struggle that you have going on. Are you willing to be grounded in your beliefs? And hear me this morning, you're allowed to do that. Are you willing to be grounded in your beliefs, yet walk in the tension of the world with a spirit of love? You see, God has called us to represent him wherever we go and to whoever we encounter. I came across this uh, great story that I want to share with you this morning. I thought it would be a, a great way to wrap up our, our time this morning. It says, my entire pharmacy career has been within the walls of a grocery store, and it sure has its perks. I don't need to make an extra stop for groceries after work. I'm already there. Staple items like bread, milk, and eggs are always just feet away. So it blew my mind when a few months ago I reached into my spice cabinet as I was preparing dinner and realized that I was out of salt. How does a person who works at a grocery store run out of salt? It happens to everyone. It's happened to me. I've thought the same thing. How does somebody run out of salt? In Matthew 5.13, Jesus tells his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt does three things. It adds flavor, it makes you thirsty, and it preserves. So how does this relate to what Jesus said in Matthew 5? As believers, we must add Christ's flavor to whatever environment he places us in. We are to preserve a Christ-like culture in a morally decaying world. And we can cause others to thirst after God we have inside of us. Just like salt has no practical use if it's left on the, the grocery store shelf, our God-given identity as salt is of no use if it doesn't translate into our everyday lives. I pray we never forget this mandate God has given us to be salt, to add his flavor, to preserve a Christ-like culture, and to cause others, to cause others to thirst for him. Oh, that the world would crave what we have. Let us go to the Lord in a word of prayer. God, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for the ways that you speak to us. And Lord, this morning, this message is going to come across in many different ways to many different people. But Lord, I pray that in all that we do, that we would represent you well and that we would love well, even in those times when we don't understand. And, and God, we, we live a life where it's a constant tension. Lord, whether it's what we believe in, whether it's our politics, anything. And God, how can we be true in our faith walk with you and love those around us? And God, I pray for the church Lord, as we emerge from COVID, what it looks like, and I pray for those who have drifted away physically, Lord, that they would be drawn back into you. And Lord, I pray for those of us that may be here physically but have drifted spiritually, that again, we would be drawn back to you. And I pray for this beacon of light, Lord, uh, that Jesus is our lighthouse, that it would draw us in to him. And God, we thank you for this illustration of salt. Lord, that we would be your salt and your light 
in the world and that people respect us just like we respect them and that we would be instruments of your peace. And so, Father, we thank you for this time this morning, how you have met us here, and we thank you for the Apostle Paul and the words that you have given him that are words for us in this day. It's in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus the Christ that we pray, and all of God's people said, amen.